You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. Jesus said, if you're not for me, you're against me. See, I don't really have anything against Jesus, but are you for him? If you're not for him, you're against him. You say, wait a minute, I go to church. That's not the question. Many are called. Few are chosen. Chosen based upon the foreknowledge of God because he knew those that would say yes. And if you've been putting it off, I encourage you strongly, do not put it off anymore. Today's the day. Now is the time. There's no such thing as a passive faith. You can't have an in-between relationship with God. You're either all in or you're all out. And in today's message, Pastor Danny will encourage you to dive all in. If you haven't accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and personal Savior, don't wait one more day. No one is guaranteed tomorrow, so make the choice today. And if you've already made a commitment to Christ, then dive deeper in your walk with Him. What you decide to put in is what you'll get out. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Mark, chapter 3, as he begins his message, Jesus' Call and Commission. Mark chapter 3, verse 7 is where we left off. Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the lake, and a large crowd from Galilee followed. When they heard all he was doing, many people came to him from Judea, Jerusalem, Idumea, the regions across the Jordan and around Tyre and Sidon. So all around, people are coming, crowds. Because of the crowd, he told his disciples to have a small boat ready for him to keep the people from crowding him. Anytime a boat's involved, I really like it. For he had healed many, so that those with diseases were pushing forward to touch him. Whenever the evil spirits saw him, they fell down before him, and they cried out, You're the Son of God. Now, when the evil spirits fell down, obviously that's the people falling down who were possessed by the spirits who are encouraging them to do this. And they're crying out, You're the Son of God. But he, Jesus, gave strict orders not to tell who he was. Isn't that kind of odd? But wait a minute, it's the evil spirits. We need to understand the reason he gave them strict orders, gave them strict orders not to do this, was one, a timing issue. When I say timing, you have verses like John 8:20. No one seized him, Jesus, because his time had not yet come. He's teaching. The more he teaches publicly, the more the leadership of the Jews are offended. Ultimately, they get so offended they plot the uh, way to kill him, you know, send him to the cross. But no one seized him because his time had not yet come. God the Father orchestrated the event so that only in the fullness of time did Jesus go to the cross. You have the end of Mark chapter 14 in the Garden of Gethsemane. And here's what Jesus says there in the Garden of Gethsemane. The hour has come. 
Now it's time. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Here comes my betrayer. And at that moment, Judas is coming into the garden, leading the Jewish leaders and the soldiers to arrest Jesus. So one is a timing issue, not declaring prematurely, uh, loudly, and everywhere who he is. But I think it's more than a timing issue. I think it's an appropriateness because these spirits speaking through these people, they're not giving Jesus honor. They're speaking with derision, with sarcasm. We know that from one particular account in Acts chapter 16, where Paul and his ministry companions are being followed every day by this fortune teller lady, and she's crying out day after day, these are servants of the Most High God. They're telling you the way to be saved. Well, what's wrong with that? Well, it doesn't tell us the tone, but I can guarantee you the tone was not the way I just said it. It was more like, these are servants of the Most High God. They're telling you the way to be saved. It was derision. It was sarcasm. It was not honor. It was not with integrity. God doesn't want hell doing the job. He wants us. And so I think it's more than a timing issue. I think it's an appropriateness and an honor issue. Now, all these people are coming to Jesus. And of course, this is the time that grace is being poured out unmerited and grace is always unmerited, but people are coming and, and they don't have to, they don't have to fill out a form. They don't have to go to a synagogue meeting. They just come and, and so many needs are being met and crowds are coming from everywhere because they hear, Hey, Jesus is healing people. Okay, let's go. But in the midst of all this and people pushing to get near him, verse 13, Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to him those he wanted from the crowd. And they came to him. That's interesting. They had a choice not to, but they came. He appointed 12, designating them apostles, that they might be with him, that he might send them out to preach, and to have authority to drive out demons. These are the 12 he appointed. Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter, Rock. James, son of Zebedee and his brother John, to them he gave the name Boanerges, which means sons of thunder. You think, oh yeah, sons of thunder. It wasn't a positive thing. We'll come back to it. Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew. Bartholomew, Matthew. We know about Matthew, the former tax collector. Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus. Thaddeus. Simon the Zealot. The Zealot. He was a religious, political activist, believing that that's the way to get God's will done, get the right person voted into office doesn't work. Vote your conscience, but it's not the answer. And last but certainly not least, Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. And that's a mysterious choice, isn't it? Now, let me tell you something that's very important to understand in this study. These 12 guys, designated apostles, and that is a tremendous privilege. We know from Ephesians 2.20 that everything that the Father is looking to accomplish is built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. What the prophets spoke, 
their prediction about the Messiah, etc., and the apostles, these 12 guys. Now, I understand Judas was a devil from the beginning. He was replaced with a guy named Matthias. I think that was premature. I think God's replacement was the apostle Paul. That's my opinion. But these guys, tremendous privilege, tremendous responsibility. Ephesians 2, everything built on the apostles, talking about these 12. The 12th replacement, of course, for Judas. Revelation 21, 14, the new Jerusalem, which is in heaven right now and will come down to the earth. It has one foundation made up of 12 individual sections. One foundation, 12 sections. So it says 12 foundations, but it's really one made into 12 parts. And on each piece, guess what? The name of one of these guys. And we'll find out if Paul is the 12th or not when we see it. And then in Luke 22, Jesus tells these guys, these guys right here, you'll one day sit on 12 thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Now, that's a great privilege and a tremendous responsibility, but here's what you need to not forget. Every one of these guys, except for in the sovereign will and plan of God for them to be designated apostles and special apostles because others would become apostles, but none would become the 12. They became known as the 12. But other than that tremendous privilege and responsibility, get this, they're just like you. And they're just like me. They have the same weaknesses. They put on their pants the same way. They're just like us. And so as we focus on these guys, understand that we're talking about anyone that would become a disciple. And the first is their calling. Their calling. And for this point, go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And, and you'll really get the point here in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Verse 26. Now, don't read ahead. Don't read ahead. Let's read it a little bit at a time because I want you to pause throughout here. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Stop there. Pause just a minute. Now, think about that. Some of you gave your life to Christ a year ago, a month ago, two months ago, five years ago. For me, 40 years I know I'm old, but whenever it was, think about it. Think, think, about, think about what you were when you were called. Know what you are now. I wasn't Pastor Danny Hodges. I was Danny Hodges, but not Pastor Danny Hodges. Think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Me. I was happy when I got a C. And sometimes I had to cheat to get the C. Didn't know the Lord. Not many were influential in the world, in your world. Me. Not many were of noble birth, royal blood. You kidding me? Come from Hartsville, South Carolina. Hicktown. But God chose, now here's where it can be discouraging if you, if you, if you really think about it. But God chose the foolish things of the world talking about me <laughs> to shame the wise God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong he chose the lowly things 
of the world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. Don't misunderstand that passage. God wants all men to be saved. But sometimes he calls the noble in this life and to become his followers. The world doesn't look at them as too noble once they become followers of Jesus. And so they want to keep the nobility here instead of the nobility for eternity. You're with me? Sometimes they're influential here, and because they're influential here, if they really become followers of Jesus, it'll affect the influence they're having now, because now to make an influence for the kingdom might affect the influence they're having now, and of course, it may cost them. You're wise by the standards of the world now, you become a follower of Jesus, and they may think, what in the world has happened to you? You're crazy. You're nuts. So he wants all men to be saved. Now, I want to hit this next point and not spend too much time on it. And I'm not trying to pick a fight. I'm not, I just want you to know the truth. If you're a Calvinist, it's okay to be a Calvinist. But if you're a legalistic Calvinist, if you're a five-point Calvinist, an extreme Calvinist, I have issues. We have debate from the scriptures because <laughs> many are called, few are chosen. Jesus said that, Matthew's gospel, chapter 22, verse 14. Need to read 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 2. Here's what it says. Chosen according to the foreknowledge of God. Not chosen because you won the Christian lottery. You won heaven and somebody else won hell. And you're just predestined to one or the other. What kind of God is that? That's a legalistic, Calvinistic approach. And it's not biblical. Jesus' blood is sufficient for all men to be saved. There is no limited atonement in that sense. He died for all men. And we are chosen because he knew ahead of time who was going to say yes. Many are called, few are chosen, were chosen according to his foreknowledge. He knew who was going to say yes, and he knew who wasn't. And many are called. Felix, the governor, Acts chapter 26, Paul stood before him and gave witness to Jesus Christ. And Paul spoke about righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come. And it says that Felix was afraid. He's convicted. He knows he's not living a life that, I mean, he's not living a life ready to stand before God. That's for sure. And who is? But you know what he said? He said, that's enough, Paul. That's enough. When he we talked about righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come, and he was afraid. And he said, that's enough, Paul. Hey, that's enough for now. I'll send for you when it's more convenient. That's what he said. You read it in Acts chapter 26. Guess what? You study history. The convenient time for Felix never came. So Felix was called, but he wasn't chosen. Why? Because he kept putting it off and putting it off and putting it off. And you keep putting it off. You may put it off one day too much, and it'll be your last opportunity. Don't put it off. Today's the day of salvation. Why does the scripture say that? Because nobody's guaranteed tomorrow. And you may not be planning on dying today, but you may. You trying to scare me? Absolutely. We can scare the hell out of you. It's been a good day. Wow, I've never been to a church where the pastor talked about that. Well, that's too bad. Many are called. Pilate was called. God gave such witness in his life. The Son of God stand before him in the very flesh. And Pilate said, you're a king? You're right in saying I'm a king. But my kingdom is not of this world. If it was, my servants would fight. 
Where do you come from? My kingdom is not of this world. Don't you realize I have the power to, to crucify you or to set you free? You'd have no power over me if it were not given to you from heaven. And it says Pilate was even more afraid. And God even gave his own wife, Pilate's wife, a dream about Jesus as an additional testimony. But he stood before the crowd, he washed his hands, and he said, I'm innocent of this man's blood. Don't you wish it were that easy? I don't find any fault in him. I don't, find, I don't have anything against him. Yeah, but you're not for him. Jesus said, if you're not for me, you're against me. So I don't really have anything against Jesus, but are you for him? If you're not for him, you're against him. So wait a minute, I go to church. And that's not the question. Many are called. Few are chosen. Chosen based upon the foreknowledge of God because he knew those that would say yes. And if you've been putting it off, I encourage you strongly, do not put it off anymore. Today's the day. Now is the time. And then there's their character. Not just their calling, but their character. Maybe you've heard it before, but it's still good to hear again. It's fictitious, but it has a point. It's called, what if Jesus had used a consulting firm? Supposedly from the Jordan Management Consultants in Jerusalem. Written to Jesus, thank you for submitting the resumes of the 12 men you've picked for management positions in your new organization. All of them, you have now taken the complete battery of our test. We've not only run the test, uh, run the results through our computer, but also arranged personal interviews for each of them with our psychologist and vocational aptitude consultant. It's the opinion of our staff that most of your nominees are lacking in background, education, and vocational aptitude for the type of enterprise you're undertaking. They do not have the team concept. And if you study their lives, you know that's true. We would recommend that you continue your search for persons of experience with managerial ability and proven capability. Simon Peter is emotionally unstable, given to fits of temper. Andrew has absolutely no qualities of leadership. Two brothers, James and John, sons of Zebedee, place personal interest above company loyalty. Remember, Jesus, let us sit at your right and your left. Don't care about the rest of the guys. Thomas demonstrates a questioning attitude that would tend to undermine morale. We feel it's our duty to tell you that Matthew has been blacklisted by the Greater Jerusalem Better Business Bureau. <laughs> James, son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus definitely have radical leanings. They both registered a high score on the manic depressive scale. Nathaniel, Nathaniel lapses into periods of daydreaming. He didn't get that one. You have to study his life. Doesn't tell us much, but it tells us enough. One of the candidates, however, shows great potential. He's a man of ability, resourcefulness, meets people well, has a keen business mind, contacts in high places. He's highly motivated, ambitious, and responsible. We recommend Judas Iscariot to be your treasurer and your right-hand man. All of the other profiles are self-explanatory. We wish you success in your new venture. These guys. What an unlikely bunch. What an imperfect bunch. These guys, listen, they have issues. They have issues that need to be dealt with. If they're going to be successful in life as followers of Jesus, if they're going to be successful in their mission, they have issues. But listen to this. He calls them with the issues. Here's what some people think. And they believe this. They think, 
I'd like to follow the call of God, but you don't understand. I, I got these issues. I got this habit, and I got this habit, and there's this wrong with me, you know. And this is the first time I've darkened the doors of church, you know, and I'm afraid the walls are going to fall down. You know? And they kind of all these crazy thoughts. The roof's going to collapse. You know, let me let you in on something. We're all dysfunctional. We all got issues. And the wonderful Savior and the wonderful God, he doesn't say, well, look, you got to clean this up and do this and go to church a little bit. Get a few you know, months under your belt first, and then, then maybe I can use you. Then I'll call you. No. He said, look, I love the line in the one song, come just as you are. And whosoever will, let him come. No way do you get all the issues dealt with. Here's the wonderful thing. If you'll just, by faith, follow the call, take the step, he'll not only forgive you and cleanse you and make you a new person, then he'll begin to deal with the issues. And he does it from the inside out, not from the outside in. By the way, if you think you're going to fix all the issues, how you been doing lately? Very successful? No, and you never will be. You can sit and say, oh, I'm just never going to do that again. Go to all the classes you want, anger management. It's not going to work. Jesus is the only one that can help you. And I'm not talking about, I'm talking about more than just getting the anger under control. He's the only one that can change you and save you and forgive you and cleanse you. And he's the only one that can make you really godly. But when he calls, when he calls, he says, look, come just like you are. <laughs> and we'll go to the third point. But let me say before we go to the third point, isn't it amazing? You, you, you realize the issues these guys have and Jesus calls them and then he designates 12. He designates them apostles. <laughs> this is his starting lineup. This is the team that the Super Bowl of Christianity is riding on. What a God we serve. So there's their calling. There's their character, last but not least, their commission. And there are three parts in the text, three essentials, if they're going to be successful in the commission. What's an apostle? It's a delegate. It's a messenger. It's one sent forth with orders. Now, again, these guys are just like us except for their particular designation. But apostles, Ephesians tells us apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists are given to the church to train the church so that they may go out and do good works. It's interesting, you study the New Testament, and when Jesus gives the great commission to these guys first, go into all the world and preach the gospel, none of these 12 guys went into all the world and preached the gospel. It says when the persecution happened, Acts chapter 8, all except the apostles were scattered. You know who went into all the world? Others that they had been examples to and trained by through the teaching of the Word of God, etc., etc. God was looking to designate these guys, and they'd just be the beginning, and they'd disciple others who disciple others who disciple others who disciple others. And that's come all the way here to St. Petersburg, Florida, even to Pinellas Park. That's grace. These guys didn't enter a contest. They didn't fill out an apostolic application. They didn't aspire to the designation that Jesus gives them. They were not nominated for the position. They were sovereignly chosen and then designated. And it's another message all in itself. But please understand, it's God's sovereign plan individually for each one of us. 
Thanks for joining Pastor Danny today as he walks us through the book of Mark. This New Testament gospel book conveys a fast-paced progression of events that occurred during Jesus' ministry. It's almost as if the writer intended to communicate that Jesus was continually forward-thinking toward the cross and his mission and purpose here on earth. In Mark 10.45, it says, Even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. This is the ultimate summary of the book of Mark. Jesus came humbly as a servant to reach the lost. Are you feeling lost today? Or have you been found and are following Jesus fully now? No matter what your answer is, we'd love to hear from you. Our email address is info at ccfstpete.church. Let us know how you heard about the living word and how we can be praying for you. That address again is info at ccfstpete.church. If you're in the St. Petersburg area, come join us and hear from Pastor Danny at Calvary Chapel Fellowship. We're holding services each Saturday at 6 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m. You'll find all the information you need on our website, ccfstpete.church. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope that you'll join us again for our next edition, right here on The Living Word.